0: Hi everyone, it's Joachim Akram, your host of the Elite Game Developers podcast. A podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. I recently did a webinar with Colin Foss, the co-founder and CPO of Skunkworks, a Helsinki-based game startup, and makers of this wildly popular game called Merge Friends. With Colin, we talked about how the casual merge genre has recently been blowing up with more and more developers mo- moving over there and what makes these games differentiate from in- each other. And we're also going to talk about like Skunk Works ways of building this game in eight months with a small budget and a small team and how they managed to actually create this game that is now growing rapidly. But before we go to this episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. All the developers out there that are looking for an easy game server auto scaling solution should definitely check out GameEye. Choosing GameI means choosing your players as GameEye is a platform independent solution Game sessions are spread out over multiple providers to ensure redundancy and to achieve the best possible coverage in every region of the world. Gamemy is your one-stop shop for all your server orchestration needs. They have many integrations already in place ready to go. You also can connect to your favorite matchmaker, anti-cheat solution or network optimization tool to their orchestrator and start running game sessions. They provide the APIs for this. Take advantage of automated capacity management and always have resources to run game sessions. Scale when you need it, in locations, close to your players. Check out gameye.com, that's gameye.com, to see what they're up to and to connect with them. Hey game developer, are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer generated content IGC by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games. And Opera Event will deliver you high quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that Elite Game sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. Before we go to the episode, you can head on over to elitegamedevelopers.com and get Colin's presentation by either going to the webinars section under the blog or by finding this podcast episodes blog post where we also share Colin's presentation on building Merge games. But yeah, let's get into the conversation with Colin Foss from Skunk Works with Merge Friends. Just go ahead and and start writing stuff down. And it's great to see already a lot of people have come online, so yeah, Colin, uh, please introduce yourself and the topic that we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Joachim, for having me. And uh, thanks, for everybody, for joining. Uh, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, how we uh, launched Merge Friends and how we built the, built the game from scratch within eight weeks. Um, uh, I can actually just jump right in uh, to the slides, and I'll give you a bit, bit of an introduction of what we're going to talk about today. So. Uh, yeah, I have, I'll go through the background a little bit about myself, and then we'll go into kind of how we're doing uh, game development at Skunkworks, and then uh, I'll talk about the merge, um, merge genre and this new subcategory uh, called casual merge, and then merge journey, uh, merge uh, friend's journey. So this is basically how we came about, um, how we came up with the idea and the, the speed at which we were able to deliver the game. And then the future, looking into the future of, of this casual merge, uh, this genre. So, uh, yeah, my name is Colin Foss, and uh, I've been working in the gaming industry for over ten years. Uh, I've started actually working uh, at Digital Chocolate. It was one of this like a know, almost like a school ground for uh, fam- for game developers. A lot of really uh, <laughs> a learning a learning experience uh, for a lot of really successful uh, game developers. And it's, it, it was really great for me as well. Um, And yeah, I did a a large variety of of roles throughout uh, working at digital chocolate was mainly a product manager, but then uh, I worked as a, as a team lead um, at Rovio. uh, And I was a designer. I was also a design manager. So I did, I've seen a lot of uh, different perspectives, uh, but I, I found that I Really, at some point, uh, wanted to figure out what it would be like to, you know, start a company and 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 join something at, at the very beginning. Uh, and so that's where uh, I kind of came into uh, discussions with James. Uh, I worked with him at at Grand Crew uh, together, uh, and we were talking about, you know, how do we how do we build games and how do we how can we make a company around that. And and uh, yeah, I I joined Skunkworks, and and one of the big things for me at least was this idea that That the company has uh that we have around um you know finding these underserved audiences and our goal is really to reach and understand those audiences as best we can and best in the industry and uh, create those games that they they really want and yeah i i would encourage you uh this is a plug for james uh uh, james's podcast as well or the, the webinar so uh that's in the link in the in the slide so Feel free to to learn more about the early stages of the company. So I'll be focusing more on on Merge Friends and less maybe on the specifics of the company. But uh, if you want to learn more, you can go there. But yeah, so here's the overall timeline. So uh, just keeping with the the idea of the underserved uh, audiences, what we what we tried with Emma's Kitchen was to look at uh, the time management. There was after some research that we did. Um, there's a lot of you know stuff that I could go into about. You know the analysis that we did with Emma's Kitchen, we found that you know the time management genre was actually quite stagnant, and and the mechanics there um, were basically there was not much uh, innovation or anything, any action going on in that. So one of the we uh, we came up with uh, uh, James came up with a concept, and and we um, we put together a, a game uh, quite quickly there, uh, but we found that. I mean there were there were some um there were some issues with the game um that we needed to you know to figure out and it would have taken a lot longer um but then we decided that hey let's let's pivot let's uh let's kill the game and then let's look for for a new concept and that's where merge friends came about um this was at the same time when uh uh we were kind of thinking about the well, obviously the future of the company and and um and maybe the like the i guess the the door of the the company was not closing but it was it was getting quite tight so we needed to deliver a game as as fast as possible um and so we we came up with uh with merge friends the co- uh, concept and and uh after uh only eight weeks we we're able to put it into to the uk uh, google play source and and see already really great um early retention metrics so here's the overall concept of the game so this is uh, essentially we're taking the casual merge core, um, and I'll talk about what the casual merge uh, actually means. Um, and then this, I guess it's the player fantasy. There's a lot of elements that we're taking from the city builder uh, genre. And but the overall goal, the overall vision of the game, the goal what we want to to have here is that it's a it's a merge. Basically, you're merging and deliver to deliver goods uh, to help others and grow your town. That's kind of the um, almost the, um, the the vision of the game and yeah, so why did we go after merch friends? I think this is probably something that a lot of developers are really looking at uh, right now, but for us when we when we looked at it, um, I think it was it was clear that uh, there was a new subgenre that was coming up and and i 'll go into first before I do that. I want to just highlight um, the kind of history of merch genre because I think there's a lot of backstory and, and a lot of uh, things that can fill in a bit from the from a design and product perspective. So I don't know if anybody knows this game. Uh, this is uh, Alchemy. Um, there's also another game called Doodle God. And actually, um, if you read some articles about from uh, Spry Fox, there the developer of Triple Town. Uh, he mentioned this game as the as the source of that kind of inspiration for that game. So. Essentially, in this game, you're merging items together to create new stuff. And there's a lot of discovery. And this, this kind of core element of discovery, of uh, discovering new items, is really what um, kind of spans across all of these, these games that I'm going to talk about. So you have puzzle merge. I, I put this as a kind of early category. This was in, in 2012 uh, when these games kind of came out. This is like Facebook um, same same uh time period when facebook gaming was actually a thing Um, and then in it took actually quite a long time but uh um there was uh there's this now new genre which is the merge three which Merge dragon's obviously the biggest player in here um merge magic which is a follow-up uh and then you know you have a whole slew of other games uh there as well and this is the one, um, this is, I mean, when you think of merge games, this is the game that you kind of think about. Um, and, and uh, yeah, this is, there's a lot of, um I would say there's a lot of, uh, it, it's, it's been pretty stagnant and I'll go into that now uh, basically, but now you see with the, there's a new genre here, the casual merge that's, that's emerged, uh, emerged. <laughs> uh, and yeah. So if you look, just at the overall downloads, uh, or th- sorry, this is revenue. I won't put uh, the actual numbers in here. You can see Merge Dragons came out um, in uh, 2017. And then it actually took quite a long time because you know, if you know anything about uh, Merge Dragons, is actually quite complicated, uh, com- complicated from a development perspective, from balancing, from a game field perspective um, uh, to, to create. And also, it, was, it wasn't really clear that that game was going to be a success. I, th- I would say like in 2018, maybe you start to see that, okay, maybe this is, this is a game that could, could start to, to generate revenue. Um, but yeah, you have Merge Magic that came out and um, EverMerge, which is a recent one, which is not from, uh, from Grand Games or Zynga. And then you see now Merge Gardens and a, a number of other ones uh, come out and then now with Merge Mansion. So there's, there's definitely, there aren't that many players here. And I think that's something that we can talk a little bit more. Um, and I think this subgenre kind of opens the door for, um, it, it, it's, it's casual for a reason. Like it's, it's named casual and and I can talk about that, but I think it's, it's important just to realize that we're still kind of, uh, Comparatively speaking, um, as revenue-wise, uh, merge is quite a small genre compared to to match three, and uh, and that's something that I, I'd love to see uh, merge. I personally, you know, really love merge games, and I think there's a a, a really big audience here. I think it's just about how you approach it, um, and uh, yeah, let's see future. So, but yeah, so a little bit more about the casual merge, and I think first of all, I'd like to just talk a bit more about what. From my perspective about what is a what is the kind of merge three mean um so you have an isometric view i think if you if you play that game you come into it it's it's one of those games that it's like it's quite overwhelming in the beginning um you know the the viewport is a lot smaller than the, the game area um so you have to like move and scroll in order to find things um and you're merging three items instead of just two um in and that and then you're there's a little bit of a game um game uh, gamification there and that you can merge five and actually get uh much more uh be, get a, a benefit from that and one thing here is that i want to emphasize that that items are really as as decorations in that so you're creating a space and you're continually merging these uh, uh these uh chains together um merging them and they get you know they're The top goal is to get some really beautiful uh, space and then you kind of customize and and move the stuff around in the space in order to maximize your area. Uh, And you can really customize. I have seen so many different uh, spaces there in the, in the game of of different players that are just, they're so cool because there there's so much customization personalization that you can do with that space. Um, And then the items uh, they're essentially the visual progression, um, so you both have the items that are um, like static items that you can that you that generate things, but then you also have the dragons, which are character collections. So you have a slew of dragons that kind of help you do uh, do actions in, in the core game, um, and that's really where the long term engagement comes from. Whereas, uh, like if you look at it just in, in comparison to uh, casual merge, it's grid based. So one of the bir- one of the first things that you see is that. It's very friendly, I would say, or more approachable um, to the match audience. So I can imagine, you know, if you run ads um, targeted at match players, um, this will be a lot more uh, appealing than, let's say, the merged dragons, uh, just from a, uh, you know, like a barrier to entry whole, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, players that are quite risk averse and they want to stay in their lane in a way. And so they, they it takes a lot for them to change. Uh, change genres. So I think this at least, you know, you have a a grid base and then you have uh, the viewport, no scrolling. It's it's just everything that you can see is just right on the screen. And also you're merging two items instead of three. So it's just a simple, like if you remember the memory games that we all used to play, we do pattern matching all the time. Um, You know, when you're typing in your keyboard, you're saying, okay, I want H. So that's H that I see in the screen. All of that is is very simple basic uh, human stuff uh, and yeah and i think one thing that i like really want to emphasize is is the is the em- uh, items as consumables so the items are basically used in the metagame you don't have stars you're not you know doing these items i think in in the match decorate you have basically you complete a level and then you get a star which goes to the metagame in this one you're actually doing the core game actions and at the end, you actually use that item in the metagame, and uh, that's what makes it quite distinct and then the I think right now the long term engagement is really quite varying. I think you have visual progression which in Merge Mansion. Some games are you know relying more on narrative. Um, we have more narrative uh elements and uh, you're you know you're helping the characters in the game um, potentially I mean obviously for us, social is going to be a big thing, and uh, yeah uh so there's just to compare these two because i, I think there's a, a tendency to kind of lump these together and i i think they actually should be very separate um there is the audience i think which is very similar but i think um we'll see sure you have the existing merge audience but then you also see you know audience coming from the match genre as well and for the reasons that i kind of that it looks more approachable it's something that you know if you shoot it a UA video um, is something that is, uh, is a lot more, um, I guess, appetizing and, and easier to, to, to handle than, than uh, Merge Dragon. And at the very bo- bottom, I think this is the this really relaxing puzzle gameplay. You're doing this inventory management, moving things around. There's a lot of discovery, discovering new items. There's tinkering. So you kind of learn to discover things by just doing them. Uh, the game doesn't have too much. Um, it doesn't have too much tutorial around that. And then this idea of strong core uh, core game volition. So you can do basically and create the space however you want it. And that feeling of of volition and control um, is really something that is quite satisfying and, and a, a major motivation fulfillment for the audience. So this is a like a super basic core loop just to give you an idea. So you're. You have these creators um, and they create items uh, and then you use them to, to kind of uh, to, they create items and use those to to for in our case uh, we're using them to help others so let's say Julia here she has has a need and so you know she needs a saw to cut down her tree uh, so that's the, the kind of loop um, so why is it really uh, why is it one of the hot genres at, at the moment so I think uh, first and foremost, you know, it's much more approachable. This is what I ta- talked about before than uh, Merch 3, but then also um, it's something that is leaning more towards the match uh, match audience. Um, you don't have, uh, it's grid-based, it's, you know, there's no scrolling, um, there's only match, match two, and then it's perceptively easier to build than merge 3. And I think that's something that, I think it is it is a perception. I, I think there's still, you know, remains to be seen as far as content balancing game feel, whether that's the case. Like um, you know, as we start building our game, we're finding our ways to to do live ops and, and things like that. And um it it was it was definitely for us uh, it was a lot easier than let's say making a whole uh merge merge three game. Um but yeah, uh fertile. Design Ground, this is one of a kind of a more of a like from because I'm a more of a design thinker. So I, I try to think of when I looked at that game, I could immediately think of. And many people that I've talked to when they when they talk about this, uh, this genre, it's really something that is uh, that kind of stands out as, OK, hey, what if we did this, this, this. Um, and that's really promising for the innovation in the industry in, in this particular genre is that there is like it's almost a it's a playground for for us to create this really cool, unique interesting combination of that core game, uh, the progression and, and the player fantasy. Then subgenre, uh, it, it's still being defined. So it's I wouldn't say that you could compare it directly to to merge dragons. And therefore there's still the hygienic features still need are, are still being defined. So the live ops, how do you run limited uh, time events? Uh, what are the social elements in the game, um, and I think that's that's something that's why it's approach like why it's so appealing right now is because it's still kind of the wild a wild west in a way where there's uh, it's still a, a frontier, and then it potentially replaces match three as a as a core mechanic for match plus decorate. I think this is a tricky one because um, I think there's going to be a, a there's already a few games that do this. Um, but I think they a really a really clear opportunity to, to find new player. Uh, the connection, as I mentioned, to the core game and the progression and this player fantasy, this is where we wanted to, to kind of highlight and, and differentiate. So uh, I talked a little bit about why we did the, you know, the casual merge. Um, but the city builder part, this is where we, I, I didn't talk enough about, uh, so... So essentially what we did uh, in very early stages, we knew we wanted to do this casual merge game. Um, but, you know, we, at the very beginning, we did, okay, like what, what are all the possible combinations of, of different fantasy theme and setting? And so we created a whole bunch of different concepts here. Um, and the criteria we ended up using is something like this, where we wanted to make sure that, um, that it, the context uh, for what should, the actions that you're doing in the core loop. So that creates, um, merge and then complete that it, there was a strong, really n- almost a narrative or, uh, yeah. Context for what you're doing in the core loop. So for us, it was, you know, I build a store, uh, and then I use, uh, I create the store. And then once I have the store completed, then I, you know, send out the items to the, to the players. And that's something that then you're growing the town and it was really clear, uh, intuitive connection there. And then alienating and approachable, something that was, you know, something that we've seen, um, we've seen in other, you know, other game genres. Um, we didn't want to go too so like super fantasy or, or anything like. Um, we had some ideas of doing like a Harry Potter style one, but it just uh, it, it was a, you know, it, there was some alien like idea that it might alienate some of the audience. So so we thought about just trying to be as wide as possible and yeah cost and time and availability of assets like when we're we're trying to build this game uh it was really just okay what are assets available for us being being super pragmatic um because we needed to build we need to build this game fast Is like are there town assets can we get those really quickly like how much time does it work uh, does it take and those are actually super easy to come by but if we want to do like character let's say um an actual animal or something like that with animation and everything that tends to be a bit more tricky um, and wanted to get the game to that that context really sit in. And so it was really important for us to make sure that we could find, you know, assets that were easy to execute, but really um, made sure that the immersion was there. And then we, you know, obviously merge friends Uh, for us, a a big element here is the social features. like, how can we, is it make sense that there would be social features. In this setting, it's really easy. You know, you can have neighborhoods and, and uh, neighbors that are you can connect with. Scalability of visual progression, this is like, if I think into the future, how do the assets that we have, how do they scale? Does uh, the visual progression scale? Um, and we could easily find items that we, you know, it's the hammers, it, it's the tools, it's the, the food, it's all of these that kind of fit um, and it was really clear what the visual progression would be, and then lastly, this one 's a little bit i think tied to some of all of these but but I think the low design risk, so having the ability to really come up with ideas as, as really that they were easy to to come up with um, and make it easier for you to to kind of uh, build out the game and, and the different systems yeah and uh, so we we end up going through. Um, through those and we, we we chose the city builder genre mainly because of the connections between okay hey we have this core game what do you use the items for and then it was like okay there's a city builder game here is 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 the fantasy we want to build the town okay how do you do that then you you serving the customers and then we thought about okay here are the different you know uh items that we could have in the game and and that was really the player fantasy we wanted players to really feel like they were helping the town grow uh, and and that's what we're doing now um and then we saw some early uh, signs the early progression uh in merge mansion uh we saw that you know there was so much stuff going on so we tried to think okay like let's do the board let's do a version of the board unlock that would be easier to to comprehend uh, so we have these kind of areas on the board that unlock over time and social um, we have a friends list and we're going to expand that um, Uh, quite soon and having multiple boards. So these are some things that, you know, this is the mixture of new, better, um, new, better and, uh, and improved. And I think this is where we want to, to, this is where we wanted to focus, but yeah, um, I think a couple of points, like uh, just about defining the scope. I think for us, the positioning was really clear. We wanted to make sure that uh, when this game came out, um, that it would be distinct enough. Uh, we didn't want to just copy what, you know, Merge Mansion had done. And I, I think they've done a really great job. But we wanted to position ourselves not as a, as a clone, but as a standalone title. Um, and so, as I mentioned in the previous slides, those are the ways that we were doing that. And I think that's really important when you're thinking about the game. If you're trying to, fa- if you're trying to deliver a game really fast um, and you're trying to, let's say, you're trying to enter into a genre, you need to define... Really, what are the key things that you want to, uh, to focus on, uh, and then just do those as fast as possible. And then uh, the vision, I think the the vision for us really was, uh, you know, hey, let's, let's make this a really tight game, you know, the core loop. And then we have uh, the metagame where the players are building the city. Um, But how can you actually express that in the game? Um, And we just use, you know, as simple context as possible, we have like a, a message list, which is kind of, supposed to be like a messenger and then you have the city view and that that was enough for us um, but you just really define what is then what is needed for you to in order to to get the player in order to into the vision of the game and i use different tools so i've i've used tower of wands for this game um if you're not familiar with that ethan levy he's uh he has uh, some insights into that you can go look that up another is a player journey and uh i often really quickly just do like a really quick, like what do we need? This is the what do you need list, and then make a list of all the things that you can think of that if we want to do this, what does it take? And it's really scrappy, um, and it's just like, hey, what's the easiest way we can we can we can do this? And uh, yeah, just some like some visuals for us about the iterative process. Uh, the art art part was actually really uh, something that. That it was it was super it was very iterative. I mean, we had so many uh, like a very early stage. If you look at the one on the right, uh, that was the first prototype we had in the game. Uh, people, for, uh, the team, they all know about the cheese, the infamous cheese. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, you can see that we we wanted to make sure that like obviously the the area unlock was one of the first things that we had to have in the game and make sure that there's the um, progression but uh, you know we really focused on really what was the most important important thing to have in the game uh, and then we just left everything the way, the way it was um, and yeah same with the iterate iteration on on the delivery screen so there are a lot of different you can see my you should see my xt uh, it's a it's a massive document with a whole bunch of different iterations uh, of of this and and you can you see generally there are some things that kind of stayed like the city view is one thing that kind of stayed there and, and having the characters there um having them kind of there that you can see and you can see the item requested uh very clearly um and yeah just some real quick tips i think especially for us like a bit building the game from scratch and with the time pressure that we had the idea of theory crafting so this is like a concept of of thinking all the different You know, what are the different possibilities that you can do? And then choosing the best one actually was is and is often the enemy uh, when you're trying to do fastest iteration. So what we ended up doing was like we do, you know, ideas and then we say, okay, hey, this one is actually the one we wouldn't do all of the possible opportunities and spend time that you end up losing a lot of momentum if you do that. Uh, and especially early on it was really important for us to just execute and that's where you know sprinting to that mvp what's the really smallest uh deliverable that you can do for the game in order to give the actual uh the feeling um that you want for the players and i think this is important the visual quality i think there is often uh expectations that games need to have you know amazing visuals and they need to be super you know beautiful but i think if 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 you're entering into a space, and I think this a lot to do with product fit, and you know how how do you position yourself in 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 the in the space when you're entering into a, into a genre? Like, what's the absolute? What do you need visually? Uh, what's the quality that you need? Uh, I think there's, I think Merge Dragons is actually one of those where their visuals aren't, you know, they're not super great i mean <laughs> i don't mean to you know say anything bad about merch dragons but it looks it, that game looks like as if it was uh it was executed with the idea that hey this is you know this is good enough and and it, it was and that uh and that's something that i think i would encourage more developers to do focus more on um you know especially in the early stage just to try to try to get that game out as soon as possible but yeah now going into the into the future so there are a few games i won't talk uh, too much on this but um there's a few highlights here that i i've i've noticed on the market so far um one is travel town this is a game that um pioneered this kind of idea of this uh top task bar i, I think it's a lot it it probably and now I'll, I'll say this that i don't know that for sure but uh the merge uh merge town and merge farm they have this kind of uh, sorry, Merge Farm has this top bar and, and maybe it was inspired from there where the characters come up and you and you deliver the goods there. Um, but yeah, they have also similar kind of town uh, visual progression and they kind of rebuild the town as a, a little bit of their player fantasy as well. Um, and then we have a, this is uh, Merge Estate. So no visual progression really. So that's kind of distinct, but it's really story driven. Um, there's, uh, you know, cutscenes and things like that kind of drive the um drive the feeling of progression and narrative they have a tight board space at least i experienced and and they have these kind of there's a few interesting features there so if you're interested to learn more that's a that's a game to look out for as well and then uh this one is uh, merch matters uh, similar visual progression and stories and homescapes um and yeah i mean it, it's interesting i i think it's it's got potential i don't know it, it's hard for me to say I'm, I'm not gonna i can make you know predictions here but it it, um, it feels very similar to just playing homescapes, um, but you just have the core game. So, I mean, maybe that's, that's for some of those players that are really interested, but it'd be interesting to see how that develops. Um, and then, yeah, here are my thoughts on sort of the live ops operations of, of these kind of games. Merge Dragons is still the massive player in the merge genre. So if you think of, you know, we have the sub, subgenres of, of casual merge and you have merge three but of the overall merge genre um it's a it's just a massive uh, you know from revenue perspective um and if you look at that game the the obvious like if you just you know just take a look at that that success they do event boards and i think that's the obvious way to do it um but what do you give to the player um from those event loops into the, that drive into the main loop and i think that's the only thing that you know is left to be solved here is that uh Merge Mansion has started to do some of this, so they have items that you get from the from the event loop that help you complete uh, complete tasks. Um, but I think there's there's much more um, things, and this is obviously something that we're we're doing and and, and thinking very much about, and already have ideas and and uh, are in development. So uh, this is what it, this is exciting for 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 us. Um, but yeah, I think what's next? You know, I I think just overall, like how big is the market? you know how many players can fit within this uh this space i think this is for me the you know this is the for me this is the adoption curve which is like the it's the merge genre or casual merge uh, adoption curve and right now we're seeing like some early uh players come in they they come in they see some ads and they're like oh hey this is really cool um and they they come in not from any knowledge of that that that's a you know, that Merge Mansion would be a big game or anything, or or any of the others, but more from the, just strictly from the gameplay mechanics. Um, And then, you know, how big does that, you know, early majority, when you go into the, like, into the bigger audience, like, how how big is that? Uh, And how many directions of of this core game can it take? Like, there could be potentially, you know, uh, male-focused games that come from this. Um, And then, I think, what I would like to just I think what we what we're interested in is is really um, trying to find you know games and game genres that we're you know looking at in this early stages so we want to to find these games that uh, you know when we build games in the future is just looking for these these games where they're just starting and when they're um, they're finding opportunities there so I, I think that's uh, for for us with merge, uh, merge friends this is a clear, um, clear direction uh, but yeah there's lots of lots of things in the future to see uh, no one has really cracked crack, uh, crack that live events uh, to tap that long-term engagement um, and you know Merge Mansion has that content head start and and it potentially could be a large barrier to entry if you compete against it but I think uh, sooner or later we'll see you know how things should go and uh, yeah that was it thanks very much
0: thanks Colin that was great that was a a lot of information dropping Yeah, there for sure. It was
1: a lot, yeah. I had to cut a lot of things out, actually. Yeah, man, <laughs> no worries.
0: Yeah, we can do a follow-up when you crack the live event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I had a few questions. I, I'm, like, if the audience has questions, please start writing them into the Q&A in, in Zoom. But, like, I prepared a few ones here that I wanted to ask. Like, first off, um, can you talk about, like, narrative in these games how that kind of ties back to the merge because like like haven't like all of these audiences have already fixed up these mansions in so many games like yeah do you, do you feel that the novelty of the merge mechanic adds enough value for players to enjoy fixing up another mansion what do you think
1: i mean i i think it you know t- time will tell i think there are, there's uh merge- uh, matters. I think that I, what I mentioned was one game that uh, I, I think it looks it looks like it's doing pretty okay. Um, it, it's following a you know a clearly defined like formula for making the game. Um, I think I'm. I think what the opportunity. I'll just speak to maybe the opportunity. I think I think here what you have is you have opportunity to to really create games that are deeply uh, immersive because mm. because the core game has these items that if you if it's done right, you can tie things into uh to, into the meta meta game that are really not done in in you know match three you have like you just you know what are the things the items that you're the only you can only really do the visuals as the only thing that you can change uh those and there's there's no real context for the match items on the board there's it's more just a theme theme thing, but these are actually used in the Um, you use these items directly as context in the, in the space. I think, I mean, what we've seen so far is that, um, you know, there's, there's a huge demand for the game that we're trying to make and, and what we're trying to do with merge friends. I I think that there's a lot of work to be done that, you know, if, if we can, if we can grow the audience and, and reach into the match space, I think that's, that's where, the opportunity is. And I think we can do that through, through interesting uh, player fantasies. But uh, I mean, I think from a personal perspective, I, I think it's, there becomes a danger that we end up just, you know, doing these cookie cutter solutions for making games. And, and well, this has been around forever and, and discussed that at length. Um, but uh, I think this is, this gives us an opportunity now really clearly that there's fertile ground to make a whole bunch of different uh, fun and cool games uh,
0: with this mechanic mm, makes sense. Uh, one of your slides had like these examples from like the thematic and like yep. putting together the merge mechanic, for instance, with something like Heyday. Like, how mm-hmm. did you know that that would be a good match when you when you were figuring that out?
1: I mean, some of it is just is I mean, I don't want to say like I think like I'll say designer intuition in a way that like. Looking at um, you know what are what are games and what are the systems that are there in those those games and I, I think one of the the clear it was just so simple to think about that like it was the obvious uh, choice like what I mean is that you know if you if you look at city builders what they're doing is that you have this you know timer based mechanic where you're creating these items um, and then you know you you are actually in a way this, you know, merge mechanic is, is a crafting mechanic. You're crafting items from, you know, two smaller items. In this case is, is they're actually identical, but in, you know, in, in merge uh, in the city builders, it's, it's, you know, different items from, and then you, you bring them together and they create something new and it's very sim- similar kind of, I guess, in a, in a theoretical sense. Um, and from a game design perspective, it's also very similar. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a, it was a natural, and that's why I think you see already, you know, the other, you know, two games that I had up there, um, Travel Town and Merge Estate, they are done something similar. Um, and so that's, I think it's, I think what, when we we, we thought about, it was like, here's the player fantasy, this is what we want. And then, okay, how do we express that? Okay, you're going to be helping others in the town. And we wanted to make it more personal. And I think then those things just kind of connected together, um it, as a kind of puzzle pieces uh when you're trying to create a game
0: makes sense one question from me before we go to the audience questions. I, I wanted to uh maybe this is a bit of a hard question but like your gut feeling about like match tree and merge as you know sizes of market opportunity mm. and category like what what will it take to actually like merge category to go that's sort of like the size of match 3 and how how likely do you feel that this category actually is as big
1: well I, I mean I, I think I can speak a little bit about uh, if you're making a, a casual merge game I, I think you you should try to I mean there's a couple of approaches about what games what kind of games you should make from this but I, I think you should try to um, to make it as you know I, I think there are a few games already out there that are making the game the core gameplay quite complicated Mm. um and there's obviously a risk uh that if you have too many item chains for example and and too many um you know too long chains that the players get really confused and uh, i think you see that in the early stages of of merge mansion as well Um, and that's i think casual making it more approachable um would be one venture to to look into but i think there's obviously there's a risk that you you know, you have to really clearly define, like, how do you make it more approachable, but not remove what makes that game really fun. Which is the whole idea of, uh, you know, that that you have that space management. It's both a blessing and the curse in the genre, which is that you're you're you know you're optimizing the space, you're moving things around. Um, that's kind of the the fun part of it. Uh, you you're trying to be smart about it, but then that's also maybe a turn off for a lot of play, players and so I, I think that's the the balance of, of finding the, and it's also the monetization, it's main monetization, uh, you know, you know, if you have limited space, then you're more likely to purchase some of the, you know, if you get a bubble to get an extra item or, you know, if you want to get more energy to spawn more items, I think this is, uh, it's a really, that, that's a really, I would say, yeah, definitely a really hard question, um, sure. but I, I think like you might see. I mean, I think loves uh, um, love and pies. I think that's one example of this. It's sort of like a, it's like a merge game um, in a way. You know, you, you tap and then it creates another item, and then you deliver that. It's very similar. Um, but I think that's a that's a it's a tough question. And I would say that you know approachability, looking at making the game maybe a bit more uh, user friendly in some aspects, but without you know sacrificing what the kind of core core part of the game is
0: yeah well hey man that, uh thanks for answering my questions i'm gonna let You're the welcome. audience ask some so uh, here's the first question that came in today uh, how do you how are you sure when it's time to kill a kill a game or push it forward a bit more or even pivot maybe you can answer that from the merge kind of perspective
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it was pretty clear cut. I mean, I'll be really frank with the, uh, with this. I think um, it was really a you know it was more of a pragmatic decision that uh, you know when you're building a, a small company and, uh, and and you know things aren't going the way that you want, you really have to take drastic action to do things really quickly. And I think that's maybe something that's uh, that's a learning. And I, I think that you know if you're you know, if you're spending two months to validate some assumption, I think that's too much. I think you should really try to figure out what the game that you're trying to make, uh, what is it trying to prove, um, and if you can't get it within, you know, a month, I think that's when you gotta you gotta exit. Yeah. It's it's a pretty harsh thing, but I think that, you know, I, I think there's different philosophies with this, and and for every different type of game there is there's probably a different philosophy about like how and when you should should kill the game but I think my my feeling is always like killing it way earlier than uh, than what you even think maybe even make it make you uncomfortable um, but then take those learnings into the next game and and make something better
0: yeah that sounds very really good there's a, a question for here from Alessandro uh, could you elaborate a bit on the WDWN thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it about scoping or defining a uh, minimum viable product? Like what, how do you define it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's twofold. I, I think what it, what it forces you to do is like, let's say, um, let's say you want to some mechanic or, or some kind of feature in the game. You think as, like as quickly as possible, just what do you need? Like without thinking, and this is again, this is like the whole theory crafting. Kind of the Okay, here, let's do this, 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 but let's just try to make a list of the things that you think you need. There might be some things that you don't know that you're unsure about. Um, but I think it's, uh, for me, it was really, you know, you make that list and that really clearly, you'll find elements that are uncertain, and then you'll, you'll narrow those down really clearly. Um, but then you can also just say, hey, I don't know, what are the options in that, you know, setting and then go, oh, we're going to do this one. It's not exactly the approach that I've, I'm used to. And I think this is something that like working in a startup, the area like shifting from kind of more corporate game development is like, if you have some problem, you should look at all the different possible solutions, um, but that takes time. Um, and if you're trying to deliver something, a lot of it is just hunch and, you know, you just go, hey, I think this one is, has, it's the least bad um is the one that has the most opportunity of of the list and and spending you know as little time to actually figure out I i know this sounds kind of counterintuitive but i think if you're if you're really trying to build a game fast you should be delivering the game rather than thinking about what the game actually is like there's a balance between between that and i hope that at at some point we'd be you know just putting stuff into games Putting them out as fast as possible, instead of filtering it internally, uh, let the the audience decide. Let them decide. You know if it's a good feature or not. Um, I think that's the that's the recommendation, and that's what I how I use this uh, this tool. Um, this uh, what what do you need? Uh, what do we need uh,
0: approach? Great right. uh, question. Here, actually, on the topic of the whole webinar, is like the the eight weeks that you spent on on putting out the first version of Merge Friends, like how many were on the team in total when you built that game in eight weeks? Like how many developers? And, and another question is, did you do the research for for like the market and the positioning like in-house or externally?
1: Yeah, uh, so if I'm not mistaken, I think, so in, in the very beginning, we had one programmer um, and we had uh, two other people working together, uh, me and Amy and Oli, uh, working on the game to kind of build, build out the core part of the game. I'm not, I'm a little bit hazy, maybe on the, on the timelines exactly, but uh, I think it was, it was about three to, to five people that we had. Um, and we had like a, a part-time uh, artist as well to help us uh, in the early stages, Christian, uh, who had done a really amazing job. He was so great. Uh, and I, I think that was the, the kind of core team, core five. Um, and I, but I, you know, when we were working in a startup, um, that was, you know, everyone was wearing a lot of different hats and, and just trying to get the game out. Um, I think as far as the, well, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't do any like market research in, in a way that we kind of just went with our gut, um, with this. And, and, and when you're in a small, again, small company, you just have to deliver. Um, and yeah, that's what we did. I mean, I think in the future, obviously we're going to build out. We're working on this right now, which is building out um, uh, building out uh, more data on our audiences, building on market research, and then doing more, uh, putting more investment into to understanding you know what themes and uh, what themes are appealing to the audience, and and that's where we're headed.
0: Good. There's a question here on the audience. So how do you oh, talk Sandu to you again? Oh no. no, you you skipped it. <laughs> yeah, I'm skipping yeah. Alan. I'm giving everybody one question and sure, I'm going to yeah, go sure. back to the people <laughs> later. <Yeah. laughs> if have time. Uh, regarding the audience, how do you talk to your audience to determine what they want or need that you don't already have? Like put in another way, what is the best way to really do audience driven development versus just picking an idea and prototyping it out?
1: Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I, I think in this particular case, what we, what we did was, you know, we, we use uh, tools that, um, you know, like, for example, we use 12 traits. Um, So what that does is it, you know, creates a a psychological profile, and you can use those as pointers in in the right direction. We actually found that, for example, our audience was incredibly altruistic, um, which makes sense that, you know, they want to help others, the kind of core idea of that. And so we're you know, everything that we do now in the game is centered around helping people, and that's like, you know, it's it seems simple. It seems like a really uh, maybe an obvious thing, um, but you know, I think you know things like surveys uh, are are really critical. Reaching out to the to the audience, like like a specific person, and actually doing you know follow up questions and asking them more about what they like about the game. Um, not just, you know, you get anecdotal stuff, but you actually get a lot of insights into that. Um, and then, you know, play tests are really great resource as well um, for doing those. And then you can see really clearly, uh, you know, maybe there's early stuff that players are not understanding. So you want to want to tweak those. Um, we have a really like quite engaged uh, uh, Facebook community as well. Um, so we are really active on that. Uh, And we look at that all the time and we're like, oh, hey, you know, obviously they're a vocal, you know, they're a vocal minority. So you have to keep that in mind and then just think about, um, think about that, that, you know, maybe their needs don't represent the entire audience, but we use that for sure to, to understand,
0: um, you know, our audience better. Right. Uh, Another question that I picked up here, uh, Yaco is asking about the metrics that you were looking at. Sort of like determine the potential after the first launch and then did you have a like an iteration round before you would say that this is it like can, I, can you reveal that sort of <laughs> i mean
1: yeah it's it's funny i mean we added features along the way um and i i looked at you know obviously like big things are are going to be the late the, the late game so i wanted to make sure that there are features and things like that that um that would continue to you know our, our we have train deliveries which are kind of they're never ending uh, these tasks that the players can do. And every day players have these, um, these daily tasks that they complete. So it gives them, you know, every single uh, day on the week, they get the same task. So on Monday, you get Julius orders. And, and so players expect this kind of cadence. And these are things that they come back to. Um, but really our you know, we were super fortunate. I think that, you know, we, we were able to kind of hit the right uh, metrics really quite early on. Um, obviously, the monetization is something that we're continuing, con- continuing to iterate on um, and improve that. But like I said, I think that a lot of that is going to be driven by um, the live ops that we're developing right now.
0: So in a sense, like you were at the very early stage already putting in features that you, you knew that they're, they're going to be needed for people to stay on for day 14, day yeah, 30. Absolutely. So you weren't focusing only on day one.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, day, yeah. So, I mean, I think, like, we had a very bare bare bone. So day one was really good. And then we saw, like, you know, day three, day seven was also quite good. The core game itself was so important that we got right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you can add all these extra features and everything. But we did a lot of optimization, uh, a lot of iteration on, on just the core game, uh, gameplay and how, the, how players progress. So,
0: it um i actually got a question from the audience over email as well let me just mm, read that's... it out here megan was asking like how did you guys approach mapping out the content for the game so i'm interested in knowing how you plan the overall kind of like the quest chains those game items and to sort of like create this smooth experience like any comments on that
1: yeah i i mean i would the balance here is that when you introduce new items to the game, it's just another thing the player has to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, the like it's with the same with city builders. Like at the end game, it's really hard to remember like all of the different you know chains that you do. And um, I, like I, what I wouldn't do is is very early on, I wouldn't introduce a whole bunch of different item chains. So you have like very specific item chains that kind of. They, you know, the player knows when they look at that item, they know that that's part of, you know, this chain. And they know that they can focus on that. But um, just like as a kind of general guideline, um, keeping things as like simple as possible, um, and item chance introduction is one of those because it it just like it has a network effect in a way of all the things that you okay, you add another node on here, it's like I have these chains, these chains, these chains, and then I have to think about all of them together. Um, and it, it, it's very, it can be very over, overwhelming.
0: Got it. Um, there's so many questions here. I'm going to pick yeah. a few, <laughs> few ones that there, there's like, we haven't really touched base on enough. So I, I think the live ops is still a, a question mark, like how you can actually take this yeah. game to retain players for months. So what do you feel is actually the biggest challenge in live ops for merge? Sorry,
1: you cut out a little bit there.
0: Dan. Know. So, repeating the question what do you yeah. think is the biggest challenge for live ops at this moment for merge
1: yeah i think I, I try to highlight that um for me at least it's i mean i think it's easy to like i said i think it's easy to do the the event the event board so when i say event boards it's basically like you have your static normal board where you get the the normal progression but very uh you get like a second board essentially that comes up and then you can do this is almost like an encapsulated space where you can uh, you merge and, and do all these things, but it doesn't affect your, you know, core. Um, so in, in merge dragons, essentially what you're doing in that game is that you do this core, let, let's you do this event board in order to get very specific, exclusive rewards. And since it's time limited, that's what's going to drive, you know, the monetization, the performance. Now I'm what I'm, what I was trying to argue there was that just simply that uh, what is that, you know, what is that connection to the, to the core game? What, how does the player uh, feel that when they participate in a, like a limited time event, how does that help them in their main experience and how does that, um, you know, translate into something that is really tangible long-term with this long term progression, you get some, you know, like items or, or something like that, that stay on the board, or it helps you complete quests. I think that's, for me, at least, that's what I'm thinking about when when I'm thinking about hey, how, how do you run you know live ops uh, and and live events in the game?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna do a final question here, which sort of we didn't touch base on yet. Um, do you feel that the merge mechanics, like blending those with another genre, or something like like idle, like uh, what like the idle games, like what Colibri is doing, or yeah. do you think there are other kind of fusions with categories that you you make you think that make more sense for merge to be a part of
1: i think i can say that like i would just you know canvas the space because I, I think one thing that you're really looking for is visual progression
0: mm-hmm.
1: so what are the different ways you can do visual progression and then you know i mean i think that this is very simplified simple, simple uh simplistic approach to this um, but I, I think that could give you some insights into, you know, what are some possible, you know, ways of, of doing this. But um, I mean, I think, you know, it, the idle mechanic comes with its own territory of, of um, you know, with the numbers and, and having a, a lot of, you know, the progression and things like that. Uh, but I, I think that's at least, you know, what are the different, vi- like literally visual, like what are the ways that you can kind of show visual progression and, and maybe go from there?
0: Oh man, this is this was really good. Uh I'm gonna put this up on the elite Chem developers YouTube channel later today yeah, and cool. sharing it all, all over the place. Uh, but Colin, this was really fun. I think people can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Feel free to reach out to me and, and we can have a, a merge merged party. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good stuff, man. Hey, thanks. Take care. thanks See you again. Bye-bye, man. Take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the episode. If you're not following or subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet, you should do that at EliteGameDevelopers.com slash newsletter and you'll get our weekly news on friday mornings on everything regarding gaming startups financing MA, whatnot my sort of learnings from that space so check that out and i'll see you next week again on the podcast have a good one bye bye